Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. We need to get a biblical understanding of the word dispensation so that we define it correctly and we define it biblically. And uh, I have said emphatic, emphatically that we have to understand it is not a time period, a dispensation. Look at it in the context of 1 Corinthians 9. We'll look at these verses in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 17, the Bible says, For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. Man, they use the word gospel quite a bit. God's trying to give us some context. The context of these two verses and the chapter, uh, we're keying in on these two verses. The context is clearly to preach the gospel. The context, when you say that when you see a dispensation of the gospel, the context is not a time period. The context is not an unknown truth that is being revealed to Paul. The context is preach the gospel. See what it says, dispensation of the gospel. The doctrine itself of the gospel isn't the dispensation. The dispensation of the gospel is the responsibility that God gave Paul to preach what was. It says, is committed unto me. The dispensation of the gospel, the context is not a time period, not something new that just Paul has here. It's the responsibility of him to do what God committed unto him to preach. So when we, we need to run these terms and define them contextually in the Bible, God said, I've given you a responsibility to make Christ known. That's why it says the necessity laid upon me. In verse number 16, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. There it is. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. What did Paul have um, dispensed to him? What he had in the context of this, what he had dispensed to him was the power of. To preach the gospel that was committed unto him. We all need that, by the way. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter number 1, verse number 10. Look what it says. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times... We don't see time periods. We see only fullness of times. That's God's plan of salvation for the world. In the fullness of times. That he might gather together. In one. All things in Christ. That's all believers gathered where? Into a body in Christ. Both in heaven. Uh, which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Look at verse 
verse 11, whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. All the truth, the context of this, all the truth that God has dispensed, all points to who? Christ. It all points to Christ. This fullness of time is God's plan of salvation for the world. All believers gathered in him, in Christ. So they're not time periods. And when you see that word in Ephesians 10, hopefully we get the context. Colossians 1, last one we'll do. Colossians chapter number 1. Verse number 25. Colossians 1, 25. Bible says, whereof I have made a minister according to, here it is, the word again, the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, God dispenses this truth to who? To Paul. To make known something. Verse 28. Let's read that. Should have read it earlier. Get anybody confused here. All right, which is Christ knew the hope of glory. Look at verse 28. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ. The whole idea of this, according to dispensation of God, is God took some truth. He dispensed that truth to Paul and the apostles. And he expected Paul and the apostles to then dispense that truth to others. And that same pattern continues today. Did you receive the truth of the gospel? Then dispense that truth to others. The, the dispensing in the Bible is the giving out of truth. It's not a time period. You don't see it defined like that in the Bible. It's a dispensing or giving out of truth. And so now we come to this dispensation of the kingdom. And I know when you read the books and you see the charts and you do all that, and I read them and I have them, and, and look, they're, 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 I understand they're great. But when you get to the dispensation of the kingdom and you say that's a new dispensation, I know it works when you go, you know, if you're a numerologist and you want seven to be the number of completeness. I, but when you try to force something into a chart that isn't in the Bible, you try to get an understanding of this. Has the kingdom happened yet? No. But what I'd like to oppose to you tonight, bring forth to you tonight is some serious things to think about. Is it really a new dispensation? If dispensing, if a dispensation means the giving out of truth from God, is it new? Now, it hasn't happened yet, but let's try to answer that question from the Bible tonight. We understand the timeline. Right now, we are living in the church age, right? That 
the church age will end in First Thessalonians chapter 4 when the church is caught up to be with the Lord in the air. So we shall ever be with the Lord. What ends? The church or the church age? <laughs> the age ends, but the church doesn't end. We talked about that last week. Then we have the uh, then we have um, the fulfillment the fulfillment of Daniel's seventieth week, not the church's seventieth week. We understand that in the timeline. Uh, let's go back to Daniel, and let's answer the question. Let's start to answer this question: Is this dispensation of the kingdom something new from God? Daniel chapter number nine. Watch what it says in verse number 24. Daniel chapter 9, verse number 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins. Something is going to be finished with Daniel's people, the Jewish people. Something is going to be brought to an end for Daniel's people and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness. Something is going to be brought in. We see what it is in the text and to seal up the vision and the prophecy and anoint the most holy. Something's going to be sealed up. When Daniel's 70th week occurs, it's not new truth being dispensed by God. It's the fulfillment of truth that has already been dispensed. In other words, he's going to finish out some things. And it's going to be with that nation. We know what's going to happen. In other words, we can read Daniel 9. We can read Joel. We can read Zechariah. We can see all of that truth has already been dispensed by God and we can read it. It's there. In other words, when the church is called out. God is not going to give any more new information. He's not going to dispense anything new. What's going to happen? All the stuff that was prophesied and all the stuff that was already dispensed to us. Now that's going to play out. It's going to be the completion of something that was old. <clears throat> All the unfaithfulness of that Jewish nation will then start to be corrected at that time. But it's not new truth. You know what's going to happen just as well as I know what's going to happen because we can read it. It's all been prophesied. And during the time of Jacob's trouble, God's not going to speak to man and give them new, new truth. No new truth is going to be revealed at that time or dispensed. Those tribulation witnesses will all point to what was already prophesied. It's not going to be new dispensing of truth. It's going to be the completion of. Of truth that has already been dispensed. After that seven year period. Then we will have the second coming of Jesus Christ. 
He's not coming as a suffering servant this time. His second time will be as a ruling and reigning king. And he's going to rule on the earth. King of kings, Lord of lords. And he's not going to be censored or silenced. He's not going to be banned from the social media sites. He is going to be the social media. <laughs> he's not going to get shut down. It's his kingdom that he is going to set up. And I mean, let's look at Luke chapter 1. We'd see Luke 1 is a good, a good verse to go to. Because it shows you the first coming and the second coming in one, one picture here. Verse 31 in Luke 1. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus. Well, he's been conceived. The only begotten son has been brought forth. We all know that. Um, verse 32. And he shall be great, and thou shalt be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign. Over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Now, he didn't do that in the manger when he came the first time. We all understand that. We know enough Bible to know that. What I'm trying to draw out tonight and let us get an understanding of this is that if we define, it's just truth being fulfilled. It's not a new dispensation we're going to get into. It's just a new time where God's going to go back and deal with his people. And that prophecy will be fulfilled, but it's right there. What's going to God, what's God going to do during that time? This. <clears throat> but this dispensation of the kingdom or this time when the saints are caught away, uh, we saw that human government couldn't make man right. Their conscience couldn't make man right. But when Christ sets up his kingdom, the human government will be right. God's promises to Abraham will be fulfilled. Not going to get new ones. When Christ, when, when Christ comes back and he sets up, his, sets up his kingdom, the law will be obeyed and the law will be taught correctly. But you're not going to get new laws and new statutes. What's going to be into play? This is why we say it's, it's very, very, you got to be careful in saying, well, the law ended because it didn't. It's going to come back into play and Christ is going to rule with that law for his people. And we're going to be ruling and reigning with him. Not during the church age. The age is will be done. But the church. It's it's not going to end. You get what I'm everybody getting this. It's a continual thing. God's not recalling truth. Some of it still is yet to be fulfilled, and that's where the kingdom comes in. Nothing new will be revealed from God. So let's look at life with King Jesus. That'd be a good place to say amen. Amen.
Life with King Jesus. Uh, Isaiah chapter number nine. That's going to be where we'll be. Isaiah nine. We'll stay in the book of Isaiah for a good bit here. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. Man tried to govern. It failed every single time. Innocence, conscience, human government, promised law. All a failure. Verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this in Isaiah chapter 9 has it been performed yet no it's going to be upon his kingdom and we saw we saw what life is going to be like with King Jesus judgment justice he is establishing it go to Isaiah chapter 11 look at some kingdom passages we talked about justice in Isaiah 9. Look at Isaiah 11. Verse number 1. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him... Of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. Look at verse four. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Now, what does this mean? But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and reprove with equity the meek of the earth. When you see these passages in Matthew. Okay. Church is called out. You're going to have a mess that's going to be down here on the earth. When that judgment of nations occurs, the sheep nations and those goat nations. They're going... The nations are going to be judged based on how they treated the Hebrew people. You're not taking the mark. You're obeying what the Lord says. You're going to be persecuted for his namesake. You are going to know what poor is. So all those passages about feeding and clothing all refer in the context of the Bible. How are you going to treat God's people during that time? And those nations, those leaders of those nations are going to be judged based on how they treat 
the Jews, how they treat God's people. Destitute, you don't give them food. You go back and you look at the sermons on Matthew 24, we go into, and Matthew 25, we go into all that stuff much deeper. And I would highly encourage you to listen to those to get that full context, because if we park here, we'll, we'll lead up 25 minutes. And I'd like to move forward. But he's going to judge and reprove the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth, the rod of his mouth, the breath of his lips. Shall he slay the wicked? And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. He's going to rule righteously. He's going. It's going to be good just. It's going to be just. There's not going to be any crooked judges or any justice that is not right. That's his kingdom. Verse 6 and 7. Peace. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Can't do that now. The leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. A little child. You young people, you can't do that now. But that is going to come to pass in the kingdom. It's going to be a 1,000 year reign and you're going to lead little, it's going to be peace. Leopards and Lions and the cow and the bear shall feed their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox and the suckling child shall play on the hole of the ass. There's no way a mom would allow that right now. But it's going to be completely different. And the wean child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. There's going to be peace. Peace. Justice. Peace. King Jesus ruling. That's life with King Jesus. Go to Isaiah. Let's look at chapter 16. You're going to have the physical presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 5 says in Isaiah 16, And in mercy shall the throne be established, and he shall sit upon it in the truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking judgment, and hasting righteousness. Go to Isaiah 35. We'll look at. So much in here. But we can't look at everything. But we can get a good picture. Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. There's going to be abundance. <laughs> It shall blossom abundantly. That's going to be life with Christ in that kingdom. It's going to be an abundant life. Abundance. See that pictured there. Look at verses number. Uh, let, let's start at verse number three. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. 
Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Now watch this. What's the saving? Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an harp and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. Healing. Kingdom is going to involve healing. Abundance, healing. And look at verse number eight. And a highway shall there be and a way and it shall be called the way of holiness. Going to be a righteous holy way. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. Lastly, let's look at joy. Go to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, verse number 12. Isaiah 55, verse 12. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. That would be a good time to put up a Christmas tree. The fir trees are just going to be all over the place. Holy <laughs> kidding. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name. For an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. It's going to be abundant joy. So it's going to be. That's life with Jesus Christ during the kingdom. On earth, that is a literal physical kingdom. Be nice. Be nice. How's it going to end? Let's go over to the book of Revelation. I mean, we can get caught up uh, in, a, in Ezekiel. There's some great things there. But your last eight your last eight chapters in the book of Ezekiel, all millennial, millennial kingdom chapters. And you can read them. Uh, go ahead and read them this week. Make it a point to do that again. Revelation. Chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, verse number one. I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little Season. So what do you have? Satan is bound for that thousand years. And you would think all would be good. And it is all good for a thousand years. Except what does it also say? He's going to be the Lord is going to unbound him. And there is going to be a final rebellion which brings us right back to the same thing that we've been talking about as we went through innocence and conscience and promise and human government and law and church. And now kingdom is that it always ends in failure with 
rebellion against God. Every single one. Rebellion against God. Hell doesn't reform anybody. Satan's in there for a thousand years. And when he's unloosed, you know what he does? He gathers up some rebels and they all make a war to him. Hell doesn't reform people. You've got to have Christ or you've got nothing. Look what it says. Look at the final rebellion. Every age, every age ends in rebellion. It's always man is a problem. You always have a problem with God. Revelation chapter 20. Millennial kingdom, you're going to have people. Gee, he's going to be ruling with a rod of iron. Nobody is going to talk back. Nobody's going to make a tweet against God. It's not going to happen. He's just not going to tolerate it. But when Satan is on loose, let's, let's start reading. Uh, let's start reading to verse number seven. And when the thousand years are expired, that's that 1,000 millennial reign of Christ, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Thousand years, Christ is going to unloose him, and you know what he's going to do? He's going to call out to the north. He's going to call out to the south. He's going to call out to the east. He's going to call out to the west. Hey, fellas, let's make a run for it. And they're going to go after the Lord. And it's just rebellion, rebellion, rebellion. Let's see how that ends. Verse 9, we went up on the breadth of the earth, encompassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. God is love. He is. And he keeps dispensing truth after truth after truth and age after age after age. And he gives man opportunity after opportunity. And they continually do the same thing. Let's run with the devil and go after God. And the devil that deceived them, verse 10, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne. And so, okay, so what happens? That point, hell is moved. We did that. We did the study on, on paradise and how set captivity captive. And those Old Testament saints. Now the blood was applied on the mercy seat. That paradise moved to heaven. God moved. Just hell is cast into the lake of fire. It just, and that's the permanent dwelling place. Death and hell just cast into the lake of fire. And what does it say in verse number? Where, where are we? Okay. And I, at verse 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And see, gave up the dead, which were in it. Oh, here it is. And death and hell delivered up the dead, 
which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And here it is, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's why we try to get the gospel out to so many people that we can. And we're not going to get into all the judgments tonight. But we'll do a lesson on the judgments. The judgment of nations we talked about a little bit. It's not us. That's nations. You got judgment seat of Christ. We're going to get crowns for the good that we've done. And then you have this judgment. We'll do, we'll do a lesson on that, but if someone's name is written in the book of life, where are they cast into? Lake of fire. Now, if you don't believe that, and that just makes a good, exciting uh, story time for you, then okay, no harm, no foul. But if it's true, and I believe it's true, and I believe you believe it's true, we need to get in every public school we can, we need to get out to every community event we can. We need to knock on every door we can in Putnam County. We need to be in every jail we can. We need to be in every nursing home we can. Yeah, but we're only topping 40 people on a Sunday morning. How are we going to do that? I don't know. How does the devil get bound for a thousand years and still have the gusto to grab up an army and go after God? If we're ambassadors for Christ, if Ephesians 6 tells us what armor to put on, let's just put it on and go after it. Whose army are you in? Who you who you on the Lord's side? I'm on the Lord's side. Gotta find a way to get people's name written in the book of life. Now, we're not writing it in there. The Lord is. We're not saving them. The Lord is. But People drop into hell every day. Now, I don't want to make light of it. And we tend to rejoice in the fact, yeah, we're going to be called away. We're going to be with the Lord forever. And that's, praise God, that's rejoicing time. That's foot stomping time. That's that's great stuff. We're going to come back. We're going to rule and reign with Christ. Isn't that great? Yeah, man, that is great. Man, we think about, you know, having the animals and you'd be able to have the, you know, your little child playing over the, cockatrice den and all that and it's great we i'm not saying don't praise the lord on that i'm not saying don't park there and just rejoice in that what i'm saying is don't rejoice in that at the at the at the expense of not understanding what we are called to do now <laughs> look the church isn't going to end but the church age is going to end so let's let's not tarry who are you going to tell about Jesus this week? Who are you going to, who are you going to let know that? Look, read in Revelation twenty. You get raptured, I get raptured, this church gets raptured tonight. It's going to be an awful, awful place, and you're not going to be able to come back down and witness to anybody. You want to talk about homeless shelters and feeding the poor? All those passages in Matthew, that's where contextually that's at. Look, I walked the streets of South Philadelphia coming from New Jersey over the bridge 
taking jujitsu class. They'd have those little food carts. They'd have all these homeless people. We'd buy them. We'd buy them a thing of fruit. Now, friend, we sit right down with them. We buy them a thing of fruit and tell them about Jesus. But this idea of setting up uh, food shelters and just giving people food and not giving them living water, not giving them the bread of light, that's great. You just got a homeless guy fed for a day, and then he dies with a full belly. Where does he go? You think God lets him in because he's poor? You better give him the bread of life when you're sitting down eating cantaloupe slices from it. all the Koreans and Asians overcharge on seven of chestnut in South Philadelphia anyway, but I mean, they got to make money. What about the rich man? They live in gated neighborhoods. You can't get in. No soliciting. That's when you say, well, we're not selling anything. So legally, we're not soliciting. But, you know, they've asked us to leave a few. And some of the some of the complexes, no, we don't we don't want that. And, you know, someone will call the management. And the management will say, hey, look, we're sorry to say this. We're kind of poor what you're doing, but you got to move on. What about the rich person? What do you think is money is going to do him any good in the casket? I don't care if you're super rich and I don't care if you're super poor. We got to figure out a way to get the gospel to as many people as we can. So that their name can be written in the book of life. In the book of life. Now, I mentioned two books this morning, and I have one book that I purchased as a gift to each family of Pilgrim Baptist. And if you haven't grabbed one, I'd like you to grab one on your way out and read that book. And you also, if you don't have Fox's Book of Martyrs, you should get that book. You should read that book. Martyr's Mirror, read that book. The only difference is one resisted and the other crowd didn't resist, but they all Gave up their life for the cause of Christ. And they had it rough. They had it rough. We don't have it rough. And if you have. Does everybody have shoes? If you don't have shoes, we'll buy you shoes. Everybody have shirt to wear and a coat to wear. Pants with a belt. Socks without holes. Dresses. Some of y'all even have nice hats. I know I called them bonnets before, but they're hats. And you even got hats. Keep the sun off your, your melon. May I submit to you tonight that you're rich? Do you have a bed to sleep in? You have four walls that cover you. You are rich. If we ever took a short-term missions trip to the bush in South Africa, 
you'll see what four is. You'll sleep on a dirt floor. And then you can say, oh, Brother Jimmy, I'm not poor. You will work in the fields all day. And you won't have a nice Kubota 50 horsepower tractor. You know what you'll have? A hoe. And a bucket. And you won't complain. Because that's all you know. It's not like, and you want to eat. When we get caught out of here, life will get so bad for so many people. You just, and I don't really, we just can't wrap our minds around around. The age that we are in right now, we have the opportunity. We're living in a time right now where we can tell people about Jesus Christ. But like the Bible says, the laborers are few. The harvest is plenteous. There's plenty of people that the devil would love to take home. But when this church age ends, yes, we'll still be in the church and we're going to enjoy glory with the Lord. But for seven years, it's going to get real rough for a lot of people. And it's going to be great. We're going to come back and we're going to rule and reign with Christ. And great. It's going to be wonderful. That millennial kingdom. Wonderful. And then how, you know, we're all going to be glorying when the Lord just defeats the devil and, fi and gets final closure. And then after that, we move into eternity with a new heaven and new earth. It's going to be great. All that's been prophesied. All that's going to be fulfilled. But right now, right, we, look, we don't live in the past. We live right now in the present. And we have got to take advantage of all of the opportunities that have been given to us. Instead of just sitting on our laurels, sitting on our, our Baptist Botissimos, if you will, <laughs> and not doing anything for God. What can you do? What did we talk about this morning? If it's not bathed in prayer, then we don't even get off the starting point. I trust we've got everybody praying, but especially our senior saints praying. Those that have ran the course and don't have the physical endurance to do what some of the young people can do. We've got to get serious. We've got to get real serious. So I would ask each and every one of you tonight to commit to prayer. These matters. We went through the seven dispensations and we have in our heads doctrinal knowledge. But what do we talk about this morning? Sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. And I'll ask the same question and we'll close with it. What do you sound like? Are you living out the doctrine? Because people are listening. I think we should get busier than we are for salt. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.